Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. We're in week three of a series called The Third Option, which is a series all about learning what God says about racial reconciliation. And really the big idea of this series is that we live in a world that says there's only two options. It's us versus them. And you can apply that to so many different things right now in our world. It's either us or them. You're either for me or you're against me. But God says that there's a third option where we honor what we all have in common, that all of us were made in the image of God. And so in this series, one thing that we're doing is that we are leaning into one of our 10 values as a church, which answer the question, what makes us uniquely us? And our values are so important because our values determine our decisions. It's really our DNA as a church. And one of our 10 values that we're really leaning into is that unity is our pursuit. That's one of our values as a church, that unity is our pursuit. That's who we are, that we will be a church that pursues unity. And by the way, just to make this abundantly clear, unity is not uniformity. And that language of that value, unity is our pursuit, is very intentional. Here's why. Because you and I, humanity, we will never drift towards unity, ever. In fact, Jesus himself prays for us right before he goes to the cross in John chapter 17. And he says this in verse 21 and 23. He says, this is Jesus talking. I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I, talking to God, as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. May they experience such, get this, perfect unity. That's what Jesus prayed for, for us that we may experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Get this, Jesus literally prays that we would have the same unity that he shares with God. And here's what I've learned. We will never drift to that type of unity. We will never accidentally stumble into that type of unity. That type of unity has to be pursued. And if Jesus prayed for it, I'm gonna pursue it. So today, we're gonna hear another incredible message, part three of this series from Pastor Miles McPherson, lead pastor of the Rock Church in San Diego, California, and the writer of this book, The Third Option. I encourage you to grab this book, read this book, because he goes into much more detail uh, than what we're covering over these weeks and it's great. But I encourage you that today, get out your Bible, something to take notes because note takers are history makers. So get out something to write some notes with and take the posture today of a humble listener and a humble learner. And let's pray and invite God to speak to us. God, we love you. We thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word. And God, I pray that today that you'll speak to us but not only that you'll speak to us and that we'll just be hearers of your word. God, I pray that over the next few minutes, as we give you permission to speak, that whenever 
All this is said and done that we won't just be hearers of your word, but we'll be doers of your word. So God, we open up our entire lives to you. Would you speak to us and help us to walk away from church at home different because of what we're about to experience together as a church family. We love you and we thank you for Jesus. And it's through Jesus we pray, amen. In this difficult day, it's perhaps well to ask what kind of a nation we are and what direction we want to move in. What we need in the United States is not division. What we need in the United States is not hatred. What we need in the United States is not violence and lawlessness, but is love and wisdom and compassion toward one another. But more importantly, to say a prayer for our own country, which all of us love. You can be filled with bitterness and with hatred and greater polarization. Or we can make an effort, as Martin Luther King did, to understand compassion and love. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. First book of the Bible, first chapter, 26 verse. Now before I get there, I want to ask you your permission to make this a little messy. What we see in the world is scary. It's as messy as you get. I know a lot of people are fearful. The, li- the culture is changing. Our life is changing dramatically, drastically. So I already know you're already scared. So I just want to take it to, not to another level, but I, I just wanted to ask your permission to get in your business and challenge you in something. So that's what I want to do. So if you say no, I, I got to do it anyway because I can't see you. So I'm just going to get in your business a little bit. And I, I want you, I'm going to take you, take you back here for a minute. I want you to look at these faces on the screen. And, and these faces are symbolic of people around the world. You have every kind of ethnicity, um, what we call colors, actually just shades of brown on the walls here. And I want you to look at these faces and they just represent cultures. They represent nationalities. And I want you to pick just one group of people, race of people, ethnicity, that you probably got the biggest problem with. And what I'm going to ask you to do in a minute is that I'm going to ask you to think about the most wicked, negative, critical, self-righteous thing that you could think of that's really in your heart about that kind of person. Now, you might think, well, I'm in church. Why are you asking me to think something negative? I'm going to get there in a minute. Because when we come to church, we don't want to act like we don't have sin that we're dealing with, which is why we're having church. And so when you come to church, you, you know, we always act like, well, I'm in church and everything's perfect. And I look all good and praise the Lord. And, and that's all outward facade. But in our hearts, our evil wickedness, not only, but we have wickedness in our hearts. So I want you, we just want to deal with it. We want to bring it out into the light. We're not going to ask you to say it out loud. We're not going to ask you to raise your hand and tell everybody around you. But I want you in your mind to think about people in your life who get under your skin, who you, who you just don't like or, or types of people you don't like. Let me help you out. You may think, let me, let me go back here again. Come on, come on, come on, come on with me. Let me go back here again. So you may, you may, you may see a white person and go, white people are all, they're privileged. 
And because you want to generalize, okay, that may be, or black people are all taking advantage of the system, or, or the immigrants are taking advantage of the system, or the Asians are this, or whatever it is that you, all those stereotypes that are in your head that you may whisper behind people's back, and you may think in your head, all that garbage, I just want you to pick one, and I want you to think about it. Now, I'm not trying to, I don't want you to make anything up. I want you to think to yourself, we're not going to ask you to reveal this, in your mind and in your heart, what do you have? Who are you resentful for? Who, do you, who, who gets under your skin? So I just want you to pick that person out. I want you to close your eyes just for 30 seconds. And I want you to think about that just to you, what's in your heart. And I want you to dwell on it just for 30 seconds or even less. Just right now. Let's do that real quick. I can't stand blank because of blank. Eyes closed. Lord, I thank you for the people who are being honest with themselves. I thank you that even though we all have wickedness in the heart, the Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But I also thank you, thank you, God, that you love us. And that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. So I pray for supernatural cleansing. And as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed and we're thinking about that person, we can't stand while we're in church saying we love you, yet we hate man. The Bible says you can't love God who you can't see, and then you say you hate man who you see. We pray that contradiction will be adjusted today. And I pray that in this message, you would teach us that we have a responsibility to love and honor that very person we just said in our heart we don't like. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, snap. That very person that you said all that garbage about, today we're going to talk about the fact that you and I have a biblical responsibility that we were created to love and honor something about that person in our life. So I want you to read something to you from the Declaration of Independence. I'm going to walk over here. The Declaration of Independence, it's a long document. But this very, this very few sentences I want to read, it says, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. I want you to look at that word unalienable. Unalienable, I'm going to talk today about unalienable honor. That they were endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Today I want to talk about unalienable honor how we owe unalienable honor to every person on this planet. I want to talk about three unalienable facts and three unalienable responsibilities. Three unalienable facts and three unalienable responsibilities that we have towards every person on this planet. A couple of definitions. What does unalienable mean? I mean, no one ever uses that word. It's just something that has been freely given, something that is 
earned. They are rights that you have that have been freely given to you. Matter of fact, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence says this is freely given to you. In theory, that's what it was written for. It is freely given to you. Number two, honor is placing priceless value on something. Placing priceless value on something. We want to get to all this in a minute. And then number three, the image of God. The ability to live in loving relationship with God and each other. So we're going to look at three unalienable uh, facts and three unalienable responsibilities based on those facts. Letter A, it was undeservably given to all people. The image of God was given to you when you did not deserve it. God did not owe you anything. You weren't so cute he had to give it to you. You weren't so rich he had to give it to you. He just gave it to you because it was undeservedly given to you. The image of God was undeservedly given to you. Look what it says in Genesis 1, to one twenty eight. It says, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. God just said, I'm just going to do it. He just gave it to you for free. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over all the cattle, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image because he just wanted to. And in the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Let me tell you something. God gave you his image just because. Just understand you and I do not deserve to have the image of God. What does that mean? That God gave you the ability, like no other creature on the earth, to have a relationship with him, to talk with him, to love him, to be loved by him, to express his love, to express his patience, to express his kindness, to, 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 to see vision that he has given for you, to have a spiritual clarity about what life is about, and to walk in partnership with him. On and on and on. To have the anointing of God, the power of God, the encouragement of God, the vision of God. God said because he decided on his own to give that to you free of charge. That means everything you have that's great was given to you and you, don't, you, you, you have, can't take credit for any of it. That's fact number one. Fact, let it be. The image of God can acknowledge itself in others. It can acknowledge, honor in others. Romans 2.14. Look at this verse. It says, for when the Gentiles, non-believers, who do not have the Old Testament law, by nature do what the law that, that law requires, they are law unto themselves, even though they do not have the law. There is something in people that knows right and wrong to a certain degree. They show that the work of the law is written in their hearts while their conscience also bears witness. Check this out. Pat Tillman was a football player in the NFL. And in 2002, he was a safety, played the same position I played. In 2002, he left the NFL, turned down a multi-million dollar contract and went to be an Army Ranger. After 9-11, he saw what was going on and he left a multi-million dollar contract and went to serve and give his life for our country. He was ended up getting killed by friendly fire in Afghanistan. That's honorable. And whenever you hear that and you say, this guy left a multi-million dollar contract, went to, went to go to the army, in the army to risk his life and eventually gave his life. That is honorable. And I don't know anybody who wouldn't say it's honorable. Why? Because there's a, God wrote his law in your heart. 
In other words, what God has, one of the things, one of the things that God has given you, he gave you his image, you didn't deserve it, and that image of God in you can acknowledge it in other people. And then there's letter C. The image of God that was freely given to us is grieved when it's compromised, when it's violated, when it's misused. When George Floyd was killed, the world said that's wrong. Now, the world as an institution didn't say it was wrong. The governments didn't say it was wrong. Companies didn't say it was wrong. It was the image of God in you. What do you see around the world is the image of God in people saying something is not right. And so God gave, these are facts about the image of God in you. And, and often when you're feeling pain and about injustice, it's not because you are a great person. It's because God, a great God made you in his image. He gave you that greatness. He gave you that sense of justice. He gave you that sense of fairness. But it's all on his terms for his glory. So those are three facts about the unalienable gift that God has given you in his image. Now three responsibilities. Because those things are true, what are three unalienable responsibilities? Number one, remember, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, life. Our God image is a love of people. Check this verse out. It's awesome. The, this is, this is, the, this is the, greatest, the great verse. It says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul. This is the great first and great commandment. And the second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. God gave you his image. God gave you his image. And his image is a lover of people. His image is not a hater of people. It's not a divider. It's a unifier. It's not a discourager. It's an encourager. So God gave you something you didn't deserve. You didn't ask for. You didn't pay for. You can't earn. You can't pay him back. He gave it to you. It's unalienable. It has a responsibility to fulfill its purpose, to fulfill its design. You are acting inconsistent with your design when you do what's inconsistent with God's heart. And the first thing God said is, I want you to love me, which is him, which is obey him. And then I want you to love other people, which is to help them obey me, to look out for them. Uh, I've often said women are complicated, and and I I really shouldn't generalize, even though I've asked thousands of women uh, if they're complicated, and pretty much most of them, if not all of them, said yes. And one of the things that's complicated about women is that they all have a very unique way of being loved. And every girl I've known is is like this. They they, they want you you to tell them, they love them at certain times in certain tones. They want certain gifts at certain times. And they all have a unique way that they want to be loved. But here's what makes women complicated. And these are the women I've experienced. They never tell you. You have to figure it out. You have to figure it out. Um, I always tell my, ask my wife, tell me. One, day, one time I walked in my house and my wife, I had been in the house like uh, maybe 15 minutes. And my wife was behind me and my wife says to me, did you notice anything about me? And I knew I was busted. I had 15 minutes to figure this out and I didn't figure it out. I failed the test. And as soon as she said that, I froze because I was like, oh, I started, what did I forget? What did I forget? I figured if I stood still for long enough, I would blend into the furniture and disappear. The thing about God is God doesn't want you to guess on how to love him. We love God by obeying God. That's it. 
God gave you his image, and that image has a responsibility to do what he says. That's it. And you love other people by helping them know God, obey God, God's way in a loving, kind, patient way. That's a responsibility we have. Justice is all about that. Matter of fact, number two is liberty. Life and liberty. Our God image is a protector of justice. Our God image has a responsibility to protect and ensure justice for all people. Micah 6.8, look what it says. Micah 6.8, he has shown you, old man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? Whoa, this is so good. Check this out. But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The God image says everybody has to have justice. Why? Because God is the God of justice. He's not a God of justice for some. He's a God of justice for all. We have been given that unalienable responsibility to ensure equal justice for all people. What you see around the world is the image of God crying out, saying something has been violated in who we are. We have to give equal justice to all people. And number three, the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness, our God image is an investor in dreams. When I was um, in high school, I had a teacher called Mr. Friedman. We call him Friedman. He was my chemistry teacher. And he was cool. We got along. Loved the guy. I loved chemistry. I love science. But he did something at the end of my, uh, I think it was sophomore year. I applied to a program at MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. It was a summer program for engineering uh, students, people aspiring to be engineering students. And he wrote this letter that I have to this day, 44 years later. And when I read the letter, I had never had anyone say those things about me and the dreams that I had, the potential I had. I read it, I was like, and I went to him, do you really believe this? And he said, absolutely. He wrote this amazing letter that I have in my scrapbook and I have this in my house. He was an investor in my dream. He was an encourager in my destiny. And then when I got to college, uh, I did go to MIT for that summer program. It was two weeks, made amazing friends, which I still have to this day, 44 years later. Um, but what happened was, I, then I went to, the, to college, I went to a very small college, and my coach, Coach Fenton, showed me a, an NFL contract. It was after my freshman year, and he said to me, he had tried out in the NFL. He, unfortunately, he didn't make the team, but he, he um, showed me his contract, and he said, you can get one of these. He was an investor in my dream. He was an investor in me pursuing happiness. And by the way, happiness is not, I just want to get what I want. Happiness is me fulfilling the talent and potential 
that God unalienably, unalienably gave me. God gave me his image, but he also gave me talent. He also gave me potential. He also gave me dreams. He also gave me vision. And we have to do that, invest in that in other people. God has given and put a yes on every single person. Let me read 2 Corinthians 1.20. It says, for all the promises of God in him are yes. And in him, amen. To the glory of God through us. God, all his promises on your life are yes. God had a yes on George Floyd. God had a yes on Breonna Taylor. God had a yes on Ahmaud Arbery. God has a yes on your life. God has a yes on your life. God has a yes on my life. And God's yes on your life and my life is not something I earn. It's not something I necessarily deserve only because God gave it to me. Other than that, I'm at the mercy of God. Other than that, you're at the mercy of God. And because God gave you, made you in the same image that he made me, the image of God in you is not inferior or superior to the image of God in me. And God has a yes on you. God has not cursed anyone. And so our responsibility is to say, Lord, you made me in your image to to represent you on this earth, to love like you, to encourage like you, to see your image in other people, to speak life to people, to speak encouragement to people, to see your fingerprint, your handprint, your power, your anointing, your purpose, your destiny in every person I meet. Imagine if every person you met. You look for the hand of God in their life. I was doing an interview the other day, and I was referring to the people who were looting. And I said, look, they're looting, but I don't call them looters. Once you put a label on someone, you can't love them above that label. You can't see above that label. Remember the greatest commandment, to love God with your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Once you take that word neighbor out and put a dehumanizing term, thug or privilege, black this, white this, Mexican this, immigrant this, once you, once you dehumanize that person by giving them a label that's down here, you can't ever see them up here. Therefore, you can't love them right. Imagine if you put the label neighbor, brother, sister, made in the image of God. Imagine the very person you said, you saw you told yourself that person was made in the image of God. Whenever I see homeless people, my wife and I will be driving down the street. We just start praying for them. And we'll say there was a day when that person was a little baby, pure as can be, and something happened. They made the image of God. You know what Jesus said? When you feed the hungry, when you give someone thirsty something to drink, when you give clothes to the naked, these are all the people our culture kind of looks down on. Jesus said, when you help the least of these, the people who can't pay you back, when you help them, you help me. This is what Jesus said. Because Jesus' purpose, his vision, his love, his destiny is wrapped up in their lives too. We have an unalienable responsibility to see God in every single person we interact with. And to believe in his dream for them, his purpose for them, his power on their life, his plan for their life. 
But we first have to deal with the junk in our heart. And I saw end where I began. There's stuff in our heart. And I wasn't trying to trick you about asking you to think all these negative things. But I wanted to stir that up so we can realize what's really in our heart. Because you can't, you, you're not going to be forgiven for stuff unless you say, God, take it. And so if you tell God, God, take my heart, purify my heart, purify my thoughts, purify what I see, what I hear. Help me look at those people on television, the people in my neighborhood, with your eyes. Empower me to love them with your heart. Help me hear what they say with your ears. Give me the courage to deny myself and to confess my own sin, my own junk. Who am I to blame them when I got junk in my heart? But the Bible says, here's a great thing, that God loves you so much that God has gave, given you his image and his image is designed to forgive and to receive forgiveness. His, he's given you the ability to receive his forgiveness and walk in relationship with him so you can reflect his love to people on earth. So what if right now you said to God, you made me to be like you and I obviously am not like that yet. And trust me, I'm not like that yet either. But every day, here's what we got to do. You got to take one little step forward to be more like Jesus. One little more step. And as you look at all those faces behind me, I'm going to go back here one more time. As you look at all these faces back here, I don't know which one you picked out. I don't know which one you have issue with. Maybe you got issue with everybody. They don't look like you. But every single one of these people, groups, was made in the image of God, not inferior or superior to you. And if you say, God, I just want to fulfill my unalienable responsibility that you gave me and placed on my life. But I can't do that if I'm holding on to my heart. So in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say, Lord, here's my heart. By the way, it's your heart. So I'm going to give my heart to you. And I want you to take it, cleanse it, purify it, shape it, and fill it with your love. You know, whenever you see the glove that is in the shape of a hand, the glove was made in the image of the hand so the hand can fit in it. We were made in the image of God so God can live in us. God, I'm giving you my heart so you can live inside of me. How do you do that? Admit that you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Dear God, I'm a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for your sin and rose from the dead and confess your sin to him. Commit to living for him. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's simply telling God those things. That you admit that you're a sinner. That you believe he loves you. And that you confess your sin to him. And you make a commitment to fulfilling your unalienable responsibility. To love God with your heart, mind, and soul. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, we live our lives so selfishly sometimes that we think everything revolves around us, what we feel, our perspective, what we think we know, when in fact you created us for your glory. 
And you've given us a responsibility that is way above our head to honor you, to glorify you, and to walk with you. As you're listening to my voice, I can imagine all the thoughts you have about what's going on in culture and what's going to happen to your lifestyle, what's going to happen to your friends, what's going to happen to uh, how you make a living and how you relate to people. But in the end, you belong to God. And the safest, most eternal thing you can do is make sure you have a relationship with God that is solid, that is secure, that is clear. So if you would like to give your life to Jesus, that you may fulfill the unalienable responsibility to live for him. Pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I believe you love me and I believe you made me in your image. But I admit that I'm a sinner. I've strayed away from you. I believe that my sin is wrong and that the penalty is death. And I confess my sin to Jesus. Please forgive me. I surrender my life to you. I want to love you with all my heart, mind, and soul. I want to love my neighbor as myself. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People.